This podcast contains swear words. Hello, and welcome to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne, a podcast about art making, creativity, not giving up, and living well in the process. Right now, we are in the midst of COVID 19, isolation, uncertainty, and fear. And right now, art making is more important than ever. I'm coming from the perspective of a performing artist, but the themes and issues discussed here apply to all of us, whether we consider ourselves artists or not. Life is a creative act. I'm your host, Tara Cheyenne Friedenberg, a choreographer, actor, dancer, writer, educator, living on the unceded ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish people on the west coast of Canada. In this episode, I'll give you my notes from the the studio, which is my bedroom studio, an update on what I'm currently working on, where my project is in this strange, strange time. I'll also share a few hits and misses, stuff that's really working for me and stuff that totally blows. And an interview with the amazing singer, songwriter, heavy metal musician, Sharin Amir. Shireen is also a kick-ass marketing whiz, a grant writer, and her band Massive Scar Era is currently one of my favorites. I got to admit, I geeked out a bit with Shireen about the need for heavy metal, for catharsis in this very strange, odd time. And before we get rolling, I'd just like to remind you to please like, share, rate, and review this podcast. It really, really does help. And if it is within your means, a donation helps keep us on the air. You can go to terrashyan.com and click donate, upper right-hand corner. I'll also put the link in the show notes. It really helps. Notes from the studio or the studio, as it is known currently. My bedroom is my studio. My child occupies the living room and my partner occupies his studio, which is the other part of the living room. So here we are, three humans trying to work in this small space and it's super challenging, but we're managing. We're managing with a lot of negotiation, a lot of, if I put the screen up, it means don't bug me. If the door is closed, it means don't bug me. And we have little tricks. And um, I think this one really works. Um, so I want to share it with you. So if you if you do have a child um, or just somebody who needs you, and if there's if you're lucky enough to have a few of you, you know, two parents, for example, is we have sometimes where it's like, okay, you can bug mommy for the next hour and a half, but you cannot bug daddy, or vice versa, or if we have to, sometimes you can't bug anybody, which is really hard. Because as soon as you say you can't bug anybody, what do you want to do? You want to bug somebody, right? I know I do. Right now, I can't, I can't really like go and bug people in the way that I want to bug them in proximity. Ah, oh, soon, soon, I hope, but we don't know. So what am I doing in my studio? Well, I started out trying to continue with The Body Project, my show that I hope will premiere soon. It's scheduled to premiere in the fall, but um, that probably isn't going to happen. Honestly, we're probably not going to be gathering in those kind of numbers. And who's going to feel comfortable enough to sit next to somebody in a theater? I don't know if I am going to feel comfortable enough. So... Everything I was making before now really changes. So I'm trying to, with the help of my dramaturge and good friend, Melanie Yates, who I mention in every podcast, it seems now, I've been trying to do um, micro rehearsals or micro sessions, which I'm finding quite liberating and gentle instead of what I, and I think a lot of performing artists and dance artists for sure, 
go in, go hard, go as long as you can. Use all the time that you've booked. You know, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep generating. And that doesn't work in my best studio. I have to stop and make lunch. I have another Zoom meeting. It's not possible. And my energy is not that energy you have in a big studio with a bunch of other beautiful humans and you're feeding off each other's energy. So my micro rehearsal will look like this. Sometimes I just come in and I talk to myself or I talk to Melanie on, on Zoom and I try and write down the kind of goofy things that I say or that she says and what are we talking about. I try and make notes uh, after a phone call with a friend. What's on our minds? What are the little twists of language that are happening now? I'm trying to collect myself, which is something that I, I, I've talked about in the art police assignments. Collect yourself. And I'm so good at saying these things to other people. And I'm not necessarily wonderful at doing them myself, but I'm trying to collect myself. I have a micro space. So I'm now thinking about doing these micro rehearsals and how does my body work in this small space? And instead of fighting against it, which I admit I've been totally fighting against it, now it's like, well, what happens to the body in a small space? What if you try and imagine you're in a big space, but you keep coming into contact with these obstacles? Walls, for example. I dance to maybe one song instead of what I would do in the studio, which would be to improvise to sometimes even a whole album to get myself rolling. Right now it's one song. I know my focus is micro. After a couple Zoom calls or homeschooling, um, my focus is not expansive. So this might be helpful. I'm finding micro to be quite liberating, actually. At least they're little bites. Amuse du bouche. Um, I don't know how amuse uh, they are, but bite-sized pieces, that's where we're at. Hits and misses. Here's a new segment, hits and misses. Sure, might be just for this podcast, might continue. Who knows? It's a pandemic. We're just rolling with it. So what's working for me? I already mentioned the thing about, you know, telling your child if you have a child. It doesn't work with pets. I don't think it works with pets. That Like, you can bug me now, but not now. I don't think that work, works with them. Um, another thing that's working for me, for a long time, I was trying to make a really, like, tight schedule. I love a schedule. It makes me feel in control. It makes me, kind of guides me. I can check stuff off. Love a schedule. Schedules right now, what a schedule does is simply give the negative voice in my brain more ammo. It's like, oh yeah, you did that. You did your yoga, but now it's gone to shit. Oh, you were going to, oh, you were going to write that thing now. <laughs> really? You're going to do the seven minute workout? No, <laughs> you're not going to do the seven minute workout. You're going to eat cheesies. So I don't want to give that negative voice any more ammo. Um, you know, she can be amusing, but really she can really kind of put a damper on my productivity. So what I've been doing is I made these kind of annoying and they, and they really were, you know, a way of avoiding what I really had to do. But I made these little cards with various things like work slash meeting, yoga, go for a walk, studio time and a Sharpie and I colored them. I'll, maybe I'll put a photograph in the show notes. And instead of like lining up all these little cards on the fridge with magnets in the morning and like, this is what's going to happen. What I do is I just kind of slide them over as they happen, if they happen. And for some reason, this is giving me a lot more sense of, I don't know, maybe just being able to visualize what's going on. So that's working for me. So maybe you want to make your schedule backwards. Maybe you want to just reflect on what has happened. And that might give you some more fuel as to, hey, it looks like I'm actually like doing my like 
one song dance party with myself at three o'clock every day. Okay. You kind of, maybe, maybe it's about learning our rhythms. So that's been working. Another thing that's been working is having phone calls instead of video chats. I grew up in the era of coming home after school and talking to my friends on the phone while watching, you know, Three's Company or, you know, uh, Family Ties while doing my homework for like hours, you know, so I'm really good at talking on the phone. I was raised talking on a landline. So now instead of the video calls, which we were having a lot of in the first few weeks of Yale Day pandemic, having a phone call and being able to walk around and move my body while I'm talking is giving me a sense of at least being embodied. And there's definitely something about being in screens all the time that takes us out. It takes me out of my physical sensation, but being in audio, listening and talking keeps me somehow in my body, especially if I can walk or be outside or cook while I'm talking. So that's working. Okay, let's jump into my interview with the amazing Sharin Amir, such an amazing human being. Check out her music. She's also got a solo project called Sheen, and I'll link to the newest video out. She's a really special person, and I am so grateful that she had time to talk to me. I am talking to Sharin Amir, who is, is, was that close? Yes, very. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> who is um, a musician, creator, also writer, administrator, producer. What else is that? Have I, have I hit on, is there anything else you describe yourself as? Um, also marketeer in a way. <laughs> yes, you do. You do. You're so good at that. You're so good at marketing. <laughs> which is amazing. It's a good skill <laughs> as an artist, right? It is. It is. Um, so I recently met Sharin um, because we were working together. Uh, she was doing some very amazing grant writing for my company, Terrashine Performance. And um, I was tweaked to the fact that Sharin is a heavy metal artist. originally from Egypt and I am a huge metalhead, but I don't talk. It doesn't come up a lot as a middle-aged woman. It doesn't come up a lot. I don't share that with the other moms at the playground. You know, remember when we went to the playgrounds? Um, so, and you're, so can you tell me um, like, how did you like these, it seems like these two worlds uh, of metal and then, really great writer and arts marketing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I kind of like started uh, Massive Scar era uh, when it was maybe 19. Um, and they weren't really any, any female musician that in the country in the first place, like 2004. Um, um, there were only singers um, that would sing and often used by the mainstream as like a, more of a sex tool, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, so they would bring someone who isn't really talented or doesn't know how to sing and they would put auto-tune and that, that had like an entire bad reputation for the arts, specifically for music, uh, because it was one-dimensional where there's no other uh, really genres or uh, presentations. And uh, with Massive Scar Era, um, it was kind of like with many barriers um, to getting into the scene and performing. Um, so I had to put a lot of effort into like know how to penetrate that market. Uh, and I was already studying marketing, um, was doing my MBA in marketing. So I, I remember I did every project at my university about music. Like consumer behavior was about music. HR was about music. And my, <laughs> my professors were always like, 
when they were talking in lectures, they're like, there is here like a, uh, there's a student that is like suggesting that she would do um, her presentation on music, which is very interesting, never happened before, because they never see music as a business really, or a job. It's right. Always, it's always a hobby. So uh, in an academic field, that was very weird for them to see and kind of like made, um, for me, it was, it was very beneficial because I was able to put it in a business setting and how would that look like? Wow. Yeah. So that mixed really helped me a lot into like penetrating uh, the market um, and shaping my entire, my entire career uh, as, a, as, a, as a musician. Yeah. That's amazing. So you kind of like came at it like at the same time. Yes. So you were uh, in university in Alexandria? Yes. Yes. And had you been um, like playing music since you were a little kid or? I was always singing like folklore uh, songs, Egyptian songs, uh, but never. I was also in a French school. So um, it was a lot of like, even in school we were singing, it was a lot of like French classicals. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then I don't, I don't remember what was happening. Like I was, I started listening to probably three doors down or something like alternative rock. And I kind of liked it. The lyrics were so different. Um, so, uh, yeah, from that I started to explore more, but it was in the era where you have the dial up. So it was so hard to find music. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God. I remember, um, I was so into it and a friend of a friend gave me, uh, I had like a, a disc man and give me, of course, a ripped CD because oh, how, how are we going to get CDs in Egypt for children of bottom? Of course not. <laughs> so she gave me that CD and I'm like, what is this? What is even this? What is this amazing, angry music and she's like it's called metal i'm like what i love it and then there's an entire cult in alexandria where they met in a specific cafe uh by the seashore and there was this guy who kept making tapes and imitating the artwork of tiamat and all these bands and i remember sun and he would like imitate the logos and would do like copies of these tapes wow and would sell them for 10 pounds. <laughs> and we'd be like so excited of anyone coming from abroad and have those tapes to just make copies. And it went from there. And I remember downloading a photo, a really pixelated photo from Metallica and having and just went to a shop and printed it. And uh, I was in university and I was walking very proudly. And this dude just went up to me. He's like, what, do you listen to Metallica? I've never seen you in any shows. And I was like, do we have any shows here? And he's like, yeah, they're like very secretive um, because we can't, can't, can't get permits. So he gave me the flyer of this show that was happening in two weeks. And he's like, well, there are only like two other girls that really come to the shows and I'm going to introduce them to you so you wouldn't be alone. And it was amazing. I still remember <gasps> it. I think that, yeah, I took his number and I went all dressed up with spikes. And my mom yeah. was like, you're going to a party? That just doesn't look like you're going to a party. <laughs> like a different kind of party where I dressed in all black. And I went and there were like maybe three or four girls in the crowd. And it was, a, was in a very like underground bar slash pub in a very weird, like, very weird sketchy place really and bands are playing covers it was insane and then I saw that I'm like I want to play in a band I want to play in a band that's gonna be me wow and it just was super clear to you that's I gotta do that I'm just gonna do that I did not know back then that I was able to scream I knew that I was singing but I didn't know that I can like you know, just like scream. Um, and I remember those four girls that I met, I'm like, okay, you're going to learn the drums. You're going to learn the bass. So are those the, the girls you met? Yes. They became your band. Yes. Um, oh my God. That's so cool. Cause my mom was like, there is no way you're playing with guys. Cause I wasn't like a all girls school. And she's like, no way. Uh, so I had to like work around the rules and have these 
girls play music with me. And that turned out to be the first all-girls metal band in the region because uh, there were none back then. Um, and yeah, we were shitty. <laughs> we were very shitty when we started. I remember, like, I'm so happy and grateful for all the stages. There, it's amazing the level of dedication and how we would like sneak. We didn't tell our parents. Of course, we didn't tell my mom that I'm performing because she would, oh my God. Yeah, I would like hide this. I would like tell her that I'm just going to meet a friend and that would be a practice or I'm going to a party and she wouldn't know that I'm actually playing a show in this like underground bar. Wow. And when did she find out? Oh my God. Um, oh, this we is a good story. I can tell. <laughs> well, there were like two stages of this. The first stage was my mom finding out and then the second stage when my entire family found out. My mom found out because we were invited because we were practicing in a studio. And back then in 2006, maybe, yeah, it was 2006, um, there was the inauguration of the new uh, library of Alexandria. And there was an art sector in it. Um, so they were looking for new uh, bands to play, like young people. And the owner of the studio where we were practicing, he told the, the, the president of the institute institution he's like well there did you know that we have like a all girls band he's like what all girls band how come they, they have to play in in the library and then he's like but they're not really that good he's like doesn't matter that we need to put them on stage and then I told my mom because like Pete's such a good reputation I'm like I'm gonna be in this awesome stage and then she's like if any one of your par- of, of the family members found out about you playing that show I'm gonna say I'm not I did not know about this and I went and I played that show and um, whenever anyone would come and say, oh, your voice is really good. She'd be like, yeah, thank you. That's the last time she's going to perform. Thank you so much. Yeah, bye. And stuff like this. And that was the only really big show that I had. Uh, and then after that, I kept playing underground shows. And then one of, um, one of the film directors in Egypt saw one of the performances and he's like, I want you to, I want your band to be in, in a movie, in a docudrama that talks about like underground bands in Alexandria. And I'm like, my parents don't know about this. Only my mom and she's in denial and it can't be in a movie. So he's like, well, you know what? We're going to put you behind masks. I'm like, what do you mean behind masks? He's like, we're going to put face painting on you and you're going to always have like blurry on your mat, on your face. We're going to always put something between the camera and your face. And I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, it's going to be in the contract. And if there's any, like that, that, that clause was broken, going to be like, I'm going to pay you and like, you know, all these things. And I'm like, okay, well, that's like tricky. And we didn't make that film, which turned out to be huge because he had like big stars in it that supported the movie. And I was so worried, me and my bandmates, and everybody was like, relax, nobody will recognize you. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then the movie um, won an award in Dubai Film Festival. So the band flew to perform there. And I told my, I told my parents that I just didn't just go into Dubai. That was in like 2011 or 10, maybe. So I went and I performed with the band and... Uh, I just didn't know that they're like a big Egyptian community uh, in Dubai. One of them was the best friend of my cousin who took a video of me and sent it to my sister who right after I finished the performance was so angry at me sending messages. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're now in movies. What are you doing to us? Blah, 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 blah. And then right after the film was in, Egyptian theaters, which I didn't know about. I thought it's going just going to be like a docudrama thing. Oh my God, it was in theater and it was everybody knew about it. It was a shit show. Oh my God, it was a disaster. Whoa. <laughs> Could I see the film? Like, yes. is, it, is it? I think you can find it. What's it called? It's called Microphone. It has subtitles in English probably. Okay. I think it won also an award in Toronto and Vancouver Film Festivals, both of them. Um, it's a great movie that puts them, like, gives a perspective about the, the scene. And our story was always interesting because we're like the only band that cannot 
see our faces. <laughs> wow. And so what happened with your family? So they all found they out? They all found out that we're all angry and they all took a trip together to see the movie just to see how like a bad girl I was. Just to be like, oh my God, we're going to see what shit thing she's doing. She's probably now drinking alcohol and maybe she's like doing all this illegal stuff. Uh, so they went and saw the movie, which is like a docudrama that shows really how like oh, it's such a struggle for us to play and, you know, how like it's so hard for us to play and, and the conflict. And after seeing a movie with like background music and dramatic scene, I kind of like felt like, well, maybe that was not a big deal. Maybe it's okay for her to play music. Wow. So after hiding it for so long and after wow. this type of, it took them to see one movie to change their entire perspective about the scene and music industry. Yeah. And now is everybody just like supportive and yeah, okay with my it? My mom and my aunt, uh, basically, my uncle is super religious. He just doesn't talk about it. Um, but uh, I feel like now, 2020, um, the entire scene in Egypt is way different with all these bands, independent bands taking over the mainstream. It's you no, know, now, now people know what it is like to be in a in a band and like clean music and that women are not really, you know, just showing skin uh, because that's, it's a big cultural thing. I mean, I mean, I mean, I would want women to show whatever they want to, but uh, in Egypt, it's, it's, it is what it is. You have traditions. So in shows, my mom would not really give two shits about how I sing. All what she cares about is when I, when I bend that my skin doesn't show. Wow. So I have to be super careful when I'm bending to do my guitars. And it's hard. You're a woman. You have like big like things and you just, it's hard. There's a lot of stuff to organize. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. And so tell me about like the journey from that's like 2010, 2011 to 2020. Now you live in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, the band kept going. We had more opportunities after the film to, um, to play bigger shows since we started to, uh, have an audience because of the movie. And with that, it comes attention. Um, and you know, we, I think we come from a, we still suffer from post-colonial, um, impacts, you know, the British left in the, not, not so far ago. And we still very like concerned about what is what is being uh, on the table, what's on the table regarding the culture and what's being presented to the youth and to the people and the traditions. So Massascar, of course, although we integrate some Egyptian elements in the music, but we sing most of the songs are in English. Definitely not a lot of microtones in my voice, um, screaming, which is not really, it's not really something in our culture at all. Um, so that attracted in 2013, the attention, um, of the lawyer of the Muslim Brotherhood office in, uh, the area where the show was happening. And back then the country was ruled by the Muslim Brotherhood. It was that one year. It was a shitty year. Um, so, uh, he went and, um, filed a complaint, uh, to the, he went to the police and he said, oh, there is like a satanic band playing and there is a woman there is channeling the devil. Because of course, they're like, we know, like it, does this sound like a woman singing? Of course that doesn't sound like a woman singing. Um, so they, uh, we were accused of satanism and next day our photos was in the newspapers and, and I had to go to the court and bring evidence that I'm not a devil worshiper and it was a shit show again. <laughs> Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. It was a very traumatic experience. I was very, very scared and angry. And the lawyer, um, you know, just like told me to say specific things, look a specific way, which, you know, he's like, don't bring any BS of like freedom of speech. You're going to lose. If you say freedom of speech or you go that direction, you're going to lose. So you put your hair up, you remove the nose ring, you make them feel that you're that little girl or that girl that their daughter you have the more they think that you are similar to their daughter the more they're going to have empathy towards you 
And it was just, uh, it was a very bad experience. And after that, I was super scared to stay in the country. And did you all leave or did just you? It was just me who left because the attention was on me because I, I was like, I was the voice because like, they're in their evidence. They're like, does this sound like a woman to you? It was your voice. And, and how would you explain screaming for a bunch of folks who never heard this genre ever, ever in their entire life? Um, it was very tricky. It was very, very tricky. That was hard. so hard. So hard. So you moved here and you left your bandmates. I left my bandmate. Uh, so right now the band is just, it was me and Nancy, just me and the violinist because of, um, of course, the former members couldn't really keep up. We were taking this very seriously. Some of them wear the hijab and they got married and their husbands were like, well, just cut the bullshit. What band are you talking about? And I was respectful to their choices. Um, I didn't mind at all if they wear the hijab and they perform. I mean, like, it, 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 I mean yes, it is weird for the Egyptian culture because like, if, you, if you were like, um, practicing to the extent that you're wearing the hijab, it means that you do not you do not want a certain attention to you, and that's the whole idea of putting the hijab on, and being on stage really conflict with that. But I was like, when the bassist put the hijab on, I'm like, girl, rock on that hijab, like come come with us, and just like you know, we're gonna like, so it's totally fine. Like, it's not if you if you don't want us to play in bars, I understand. Don't it's okay. But her fiance back then was like, no, no, it's just not uh, was not convenient. Um, so, you know, like the only one that really kept playing was me and Nancy. And by the time I was 25, my mom really started to understand that I'm a grown up person and I can have a band with boys. They're not going to kill me. I mean, they're fucking misogynists, but I can handle them. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like we don't have experience handling misogyny. Right? No, no, no. My mom was always like worried that like, because the studios are so isolated in Egypt, like they're like soundproof that someone is going to rape me and, you know, nobody will know about it. So she had to interview the guys that are joining the band just to see how, what's their background really. Wow. Yeah. Oh, mama. Yeah. Mama. Mama. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate a little bit to, you know, you just want your kids to be safe. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Um, so now, so now you've got a solo project, Sheen. Um, yes. And I'll link yes. all this stuff in the show notes so people can seek out. Um, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so exciting. Ooh, metal, female metal. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like what I'm always, I'm always scanning, scanning. And, um, yeah. So every, every time I get an opportunity and, and then, and I get to like know you and like, you know, not just watch your videos. That's exciting. Um, you've spoken a couple times about screaming and, um, it just, it reminded me of like way back when I was probably about like 20, 21, the first time it was in a show, it was in a children's theater show. I had to scream. And it was like, it took me a while. Like I was just like these really terrible fake screams. And then I just remember the <laughs> moment when I just like let her rip and the catharsis and just like feeling like, oh my God, I can take over the world. <laughs> you want to just like talk about like how that is in your body and like, do you remember the first time? And yeah. Yeah, I do remember the first time. Um, because I, I remember I was listening to Otep and I'm like, oh, if she can do it, I can probably do it. Like, it's just, you know, because they make you think that it's such a masculine thing. I don't think it's masculine at all, honestly. I think it's just the way you control your voice. Um, and they want you, they always want you, you, want you they always compare, to, compare you to the, to the male sound, which I think like, it's so stupid. Like, it's a sound. Why do we? Why do I have to push so hard to be like Dimmerberger or I don't know, like you know? Uh, but like it was a legitimate, like a legit excuse to just be angry <laughs> at the world, and people are clapping. Oh, that's that's amazing. 
just like be able to like, I'm going to just like scream and curse and people are going to be okay with it. It's totally like, because in any, any other circumstances, if you're in the street and you just start screaming, people are going to call you crazy. But if you're on a stage, it's totally fine. And it's art and everything. <laughs> so it just, it feels, it makes sense. I think it feels so healthy. I think it's in every, every person should scream every now and then. Um, it's because we're so judgmental to each other. Even myself, if I saw a person screaming in the middle of, of the park, I'd be like, what is wrong with them? It's the universe. Totally. Like, of course it makes sense that people would be screaming. What do you, how do you want us to, to just like beat all what's happening around us? You know, like life is hard. Everything is hard. Uh, pressure is, is real and is, is consistent. No, just want to scream. Totally. I've, I've often had a fantasy that instead of, cause now everybody has a cell phone, so you don't need phone booths anymore. Yeah. Keep the booth, make it a screaming booth Yes. or a cry, whatever you need, soundproof it go in, you yeah. know, let off some steam. I've often like, you know, it, it, if I get the right audience, I'll like geek out about the psychology and the, the health of heavy metal in particular, that it is, it's this like natural thing of catharsis and, yeah. you know, how you be you know, in the head banging in the circle pit and everything that it is actually, you know, part of, life oh my the, the march pits right have you seen a bunch of like happy people hitting each other right yes, this is amazing it's amazing it's so healthy and i i often feel like people who are um interacting with with the heavy metal are the healthiest they have this like you know they have an outlet for their anger at least totally i had a friend who worked um at uh, gm place um the big arena. I don't know what it's, it might not be called GM place anymore. Um, but I remember she told me that the heavy metal concerts, those were the ones they were like, Oh, they're, they didn't worry about any sort of security issues or there was such a kind of community of, you know, caring. <laughs> I remember being at, um, I actually think it was a Slayer concert and, and, you know, like take care of your, each other, you know? <laughs> um, but it was like the sports, that, that that's where they were worried about uh, aggression and, and things going off, um, which I think is so interesting. You know, it's this, this. It's like, a, it's no, yeah, so amazing how you can put it that way. <clears throat> I don't think it's aggression. Like when I see, yeah, it's, I feel like we think of aggression as, uh, as something with a harmful impact, but the mush pits, the head, the head banging, um, is it aggressive? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think it's, I think it's catharsis. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like a moving of energy. Yes. A yes. Necessary moving of energy. Um, that feels really good. And there's something very interesting about the repetition, like the repetition of movement. Um, when you go on circles yeah. and you, we can almost, well, this is, that's the, the newer, the newest project that we're working on is that we are monitoring, um, the similarities between something in our Egyptian culture called Zar music. It's like a group of women basically, um, with skin drum and with repetition and movement. And it's, it's a, it's a, uh, um, it's a way to, um, interact with the spirit. Mm. And if you have bad spirit in you, you go into these circles. They go in circles, circles, and with repetition and movement, like the, like you know, like with the head, yeah. like left and right, and, and um, lots of singing, loud singing. Uh, and you get rid of the bad spirit in you, and we feel like we have the similar aspects in metal, where you also have repetition, movement, you. You just get rid of all the bad energy in you. There's something very comforting in um, in the repetition. But people just in groups, they just had bang together. I don't know. It's it's like a ritual. I think it, I think it is, and I think if you um, you look at so many cultural practices around the world, like Shakers, Sufis, 
lots of folk dance is like repetition, repetition, there's circle, there's like that head movement. Yes. I think, and you look at um, when I was making my piece Banger years ago, I I was studying like stims, which is uh, a lot of people will do, people who are on the spectrum or of uh, autism will do uh, repetitive movement and they call Mm. them stims in order to soothe. But we all do it. I mean, you know, when you're like really upset and you rock. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's all, there's a great writing about, I mean, there's science. I think Mm. metal is science. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, so, and this, so tell me about this project. You just mentioned it. Um, We, we were performing in a festival in, in Egypt uh, and um, we met with a czar group. Our percussionist over there uh, plays also in a czar group. And we, our bassist is from Musquim. And we had like this conversation about, he was talking about the czar and how it deals with the spirit. And uh, we were talking about Mel and how it feels like. And also Dylan, uh, his, um, his aunt just passed. Um, and he was talking about certain tradition in Musquim, where if you feel like that your the sadness still lingers, it means that the soul didn't really leave the place. And they would do also a specific time of, type of ritual, which involved dancing and uh, skin drum and singing and repetition. Uh, and we just thought that it's a good, very good project to combine the three of them together. Um, and that's where, where we at right now. Um, I went to Egypt and did like, uh, lots of research in pre-colonial history, uh, about the burying and, uh, dance and the movement. Um, and it's, it's a big project and we need to involve lots of communities in it. Uh, but we're taking it bits by bits because it, it's other than this, it's going to be so overwhelming. <laughs> wow. That sounds super exciting. That sounds super exciting. I'll make sure I'm in the loop um, as that develops. Um, so in this, this time of COVID-19 and we're all in our little spaces and I know you're by yourself in your space, how are you being creative or not being creative? Like how, how does your life look and how are you finding ways to cope? I am not being creative at all. I don't know how people are finding yeah, it just reminds me of, um, like, I witnessed two revolutions in Egypt, and they were so intense. And in both of them, I was always surprised to find people coming out with, with songs or being creative, because at this point, you fear your life, and you just don't know your destiny. And it's, it's just like, it's again, it's all over again for me. It's just different setting where... Um, I'm away from home, um, you know, I'm not being creative at all. And at the beginning, I was so sad and stressed because everybody was like, yes, now we should be creative. Now we should put out songs. And that album you were putting away, maybe you should work on it. I was, the moment I would like touch my guitar, I would cry. And I was intentionally don't want to access emotions. And I cannot write music without accessing emotions. So I was putting it away. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need to produce anything. I don't need to be creative at all. Um, and I feel because people uh, mostly are not, this, that's not what they do uh, in their daily life. So maybe that's a different avenue for them. But for me, I, that's what I do every day. So now that I'm like locked and I feel scared, I feel like my mind doesn't go to music. Um, I, I, I try running. I feel like running was a good, um, just makes me feel alive and, you know, like there's still blood in me and, you know, seeing other people just sitting over there makes me feel like, okay, we're not going to die. Maybe there are other people. Yeah. Life is still happening. Um, so yeah, I am not being creative at all. Like maybe like in the past four days or three days, maybe I started a little, little bit like you know, writing lyrics. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying not to push myself and I'm avoiding all those social media uh, that like keep pushing you to do stuff. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a pressure. Yeah, I feel like it's, um, yeah, it's so counter to what's happening. It's like 
hey, global crisis, but you should, you should do a live stream performance. I just, I, I too, I'm like, ah, what? No, I'm just going to try and cope with my emotions. Maybe if you are 10 or 13, you don't have to worry about paying rent or mortgage. But like, I, the moment that that thing happened, I'm like, oh my God, rent. I didn't even, I'm not even worried about eating. I'm like, whatever, <laughs> I'm just going to eat a banana. It's okay. But like, oh my God, rent, how am I going to pay rent? You know, it's just, I was worried about this. Like, how can I go and be creative when I'm worried so much about paying rent and about my mom who's in a different country and, you know, just like being alone and, honestly it's a privilege if people are making art absolutely it is it really is isn't it it's um and I feel like like you just said about like well this is what I do all the time and now you have people who you know they don't have to be at the office so it's like oh well I'm gonna I'm gonna do this thing I'm gonna learn a language and I'm gonna start painting and hey creative people groovy Artsy. Let's get artsy. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. You people really have this figured out. Um, But with, yeah, exactly. When it's like, well, this, I have to go to, like, I, you know, I'm in my little closet office. Like, I, oh, and I've got to be creative. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. (laughs) And you have a kid too. I have an eight year old. So I have to learn fractions. So that's taking up a lot of time. Because I'm realizing that a long time ago, when I was supposed to learn fractions, maybe I didn't. <laughs> fractions! Oh my God, we have calculators. No, man, we don't need that. Um, are you? So you said you you're running. Yeah, I feel like moving in space is big. Are you Are you listening to music, or is there any? Yes, I am obsessing on Haley Williams' new EP which is so cool. It is so good. It's so many levels. Yeah, that's what I've been obsessing on and I've been, yeah, running this into music. Sometimes I put the Spotify um, alternative metal playlist and I would discover new bands, but I feel like I'm now in Haley Williams' very, like, personal mood. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm in a Haley Williams phase now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm finding I am um, at first I like couldn't really listen to any metal because I, I just but I'm finding like little pockets, just little moments where I'm enjoying Massive Scar era. It's oh, a, thank you. That's my new discovery. <laughs> uh, well, what do you think about the now what do you think about the new bands coming in the metal scene? Like just the, what do you think about the new metal sound? How do well, you- I feel like because I have a child, I haven't had enough kind of like time to just like listen to it loud in the car because I'm never you know that's kind of where I like to listen to metal um yeah I mean there's definitely like kind of a new um, Mm. sound um Mm. what do you think I mean it's like there's something different happening yes there is uh I feel like it's becoming softer which I don't mind like I think even my band is is not like it's it's like my band is always always in reviews people would be like we don't we can't really say what is this genre we don't know what is this genre because you have your own genre because we we have this and because you know like we've so we've been doing this for 15 years but also the egyptian um mix in it and people thinking in genres doesn't really help because when you the moment you just putting a different element and you like i want to put a label on it is it folk music no it's not is it like blah, 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 blah. So I feel like there's a lot of like um, uh, things about genres, but generally I feel like all the bands that we've been listening to when we were kids, they went softer. The new bands, um, something about the snare. And about oh the yeah, that's, a good, that's such a good point. The snare, yeah. Snare and the, it's not raw anymore. You know what I mean? There's something like a little too clean. Too clean. About the sound. Yes. Um, what is, what's wrong with all this? Like, I, mean, I like electronic music. I do. Mm-hmm. But there's something about this, like, electronic and metal, but not even, ele- not even like the heavy electronic, it's the mellow electronic and metal that uh, um, drum machine parts. Where I'm like, 
I'm I'm worried that it's gonna die soon and turn into something else, which yeah, always like you'd find the older generations would be like, Oh, the new bands are blah 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 blah. The new mm. wave sucks. So I don't wanna be that, you know, old person who like look at the teens now who are making music like, oh that's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um but um I like gent. I think gent is cool. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Something about gent. Absolutely. Yeah, gent is cool. Although it, yeah. takes, it takes away the technicalities of playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. It's basically like playing on a one, like a, like a one, yeah. one, like one, one, zero, uh, one, 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 zero, like, you know, like there's no like this. <laughs> Binary. Yes. But there is something cool about, um, about gent music. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I wonder if it's like, there's something away from the physicality and, um, I mean, that's, I'm finding like in this, in the pandemic, because we are pulled further away from being physical with each other. And there's something really physical about the the metal I gravitate towards. Yes. And with the discovery of like, not the discovery, it's been there, but I mean, people now have, they have access to uh, um, like recording at home and, you know, electronics around them. So things are becoming more machine sound. Yeah. You no, know? people like you can find like a one person making everything. Yeah, totally. You think it's just like band, but it's really just one, one person. And when you, when you have music coming out from one person, it's way different when you have like five people working together and that moves. And then, you know, with, with having a person sitting in front of a MIDI controller, they're like, oh yeah, I can probably do some electronic here. Oh, let's just have a drum machine here. You know, but you know, I love, I love drums so much. Like, you know, Tool is a one of the, the reasons why the, the band is awesome is the drummer is amazing. Like, the drummer, <laughs> totally. But even the last record they put, I mean, I, I, I like it, but it's not, it does not sound like Tool, you know? It doesn't sound like them at all, does it? I know. I was like really surprised. <gasps> yeah. If I was, I, if I could, if I was a musician, I would totally be a drummer. It's like my fantasy, fantasy life. I love, you know, I can never write a song without imagining the drum line. Mm. Can never. Oh, like, that's so interesting. Sometimes it, it, it is the, the drum line first and then I put on it, I put the, the rhythm on it. So usually I had to have an idea about the, the drum line. I love drums so much. Yeah. I know. Well, and it's like the, I loved the feeling the, you know, I remember the first metal concert I went to and just like, oh, wow. It's like, this is like a spiritual, physical massage. This is yes. great. Yes. <laughs> and all these like things happening at the same time. No, I mean, not at the same time, but I mean, like, you know, the hand is doing something and the other hand and the legs and he's also head banging with his very long hair. and So virtuosic. Yes. So virtuosic. I love it. Um, do you have any, um, is there anything, you've mentioned running already. Is there anything else or anything that you're watching on Netflix or cooking or doing that's, that's helping you right now? Just like something to offer um, our listeners that Shireen is rocking these days. Um, well, it's Ramadan. Not, not, I don't think a lot of the listeners will be like no how no Arabic in the first place. So uh, I'm just watching lots of soap operas because it's culturally Ramadan in Egypt is about like a lot of soap operas. So right now I'm watching 10, 10 soap operas. At <laughs> 10. And that's how I'm killing my time. I am like, you know, I watch soap operas and then I eat and then I pray until 4 a.m. And then I eat, sleep, and then wake up at 12. So it's just my entire schedule for this month is, um, is super all over the place, but systematic. And when you go on social media, my social media, of course, people are all over those soap operas. And we keep on like, did you see what happened? Did he kill her? What is wrong with this? So that's what I'm doing. I'm like obsessing on these soap operas. I don't know what else I can offer to... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like for me, because it's Ramadan, so it's really specific, but um, definitely walks helps. I really don't find uh, virtual uh, calls with your friends very healthy. I find it very, ex- I was, I was so happy about them at the beginning, but then I found them very draining. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know why. I've gone back to just talking on the phone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's something about them uh, sitting in front of computers all the time. I don't like them. Um, but cooking. Yes. Cooking is not bad at all. Although it reminds me that I need to do shopping all the time. But <laughs> sometimes because I don't eat until like eight, uh, I'd be like obsessing about like, what, else, what do you want to eat today? And I have all these cravings, so I get to satisfy them. Uh, so yeah, cooking is not bad. Uh, I just cut my hair. Oh yeah, how'd that go? It was interesting. I'll send you photos. It's okay, good. Bad. It's not that bad, although I thought because like, curly hair is hard. But I, yeah. I just like... So I st- I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this. Why do I pay 80 bucks for a haircut? <laughs> I'm just going to do this all the time. So... I don't know, taking maybe just self-care. I learned that when you eat food, you should never throw whatever is left of it. Even if you're peeling the banana, you don't throw it away. You just take what the, what do we call it? When you peel the peel? banana, the peel, you yeah. just put it on your face. Just put anything on your face. Ooh. Yeah. Mango. Finish the mango. Just put it on your face. Just oh, that's your, so good. Yeah, anything. Put it on your face. Tomato. <laughs> put it on your put face. Put it on your face. Cucumber. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Do you know the, the, the sides of the, 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 both sides of the... The, the little ends of the cucumber? Cucumber. We usually use it because they, they're a little bit bitter. So yeah. So we don't. Just put it on your eyes. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's gonna, that's going to be a new thing. <laughs> yes. Just yes. put it on your... I mean, it makes sense. There's all these fancy cosmetics with vitamin C and... Yes. Yes. Yada yada, acid fan fan fan, which is probably in the orange peel that you just put in the compost. Yes, yes. But the um, uh, and the water, if you like boil um, vegetables too, I'll just put it in my hair or my face. But the banana is—it's a discovery for me. Oh, I'm Try totally it. doing that. Try it. You'd be like, "Wow, what is this?" Uh, I discovered also that. Um, uh, for the the bags underneath the eye, um, if you put um, potato, yeah, it it makes it go away. You'll what? So surprised? Yes, you'd be so surprised. Just put it away, put it on your eyes, and just sit on sit with it for like ten minutes, and just see how fresh and even it looks. Like it's just it's amazing. Potato. Yeah. Yeah, because I got bags. I got like a full compliment of luggage underneath oh, I, my I look like a panda if I'm not wearing like yeah I always have to wear <laughs> concealer I cannot I cannot like go anywhere without concealer I'm yeah but uh yeah try it <laughs> okay next time we see each other I'm gonna look like like 10 minutes younger it's gonna be good <laughs> okay thank you so much thank for so much talking too. to me it's so nice to talk to you and see you on zoom. Um, and I will, I'll put as many of those links as I can, um, as I can. Um, and, um, yeah, is there, is there anything else, anything I'll put like the albums and everything, uh, in the show notes? Cause I'm sure people will want to. Uh, no, I just wish it, I just want everybody to take care of themselves and, uh, don't pressure yourselves. It's a, it's, it's a process for everybody. It's going to be fine. Be gentle. Yes, so good. (laughs) And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Shireen, for your amazing conversation and your amazing music and amazing person. Such a good grant writer. Really happy to know this sparkling human being. And you can get in touch with us. Instagram, Tara Cheyenne TCP, Facebook, Tara Cheyenne Performance. Drop us a line, info at tarashayan.com. I'd love to hear any feedback, questions, people you'd, you'd like to hear from. If you'd like to support this podcast and the artists who work around and for this podcast, tarashayan.com, upper right-hand corner, donate. We'll also put the link in the show notes. Huge thanks to Mark Stewart of Mark Stewart Music for producing, editing, and composing the music for this podcast. Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne is a production of Tara Cheyenne Performance. Be well, stay safe, 
Take care of yourself and breathe. This podcast is effing good.